Welcome to the Fear Boss Show, a show created to help you become the bravest, boldest, and most badass version of yourself yet. Now, this show is allergic to basic. It's a show that loves real talk. It's a show that will help you slay self-doubt, and it's a show designed to help you check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm your host, Judy Holler, best-selling author, keynote speaker, improv theater junkie, and a hip-hop-loving entrepreneur. It's kind of like this. If Amy Poehler and Dr. Dre had a baby, uh, that would basically be me. I am obsessed with helping you smash comfort zones and experiment with your fears so you can get more freedom in your life personally and professionally. This podcast is going to help you do just that. So, are you ready? Let's get this fear party started. You are listening to The Fear Boss Show, episode nine. This episode may contain adult content and language, so please take care while listening. Hey, Fear Boss, happy Wednesday. I am so pumped to be back here with you. And I wanted to start by jumping in with a couple of fun announcements. Uh, Number one, first things first, if you're loving this podcast, you're going to love my weekly newsletter. So for about four and a half, almost five years, I have been doing a newsletter and it is called The Fear Boss Five. It started out being called the the Fab Five Friday newsletter. And then we named it the Fear Boss Five once this community took shape. And every Friday, I share five things I'm loving, learning, reading, gifting, using, sharing. I mean, things that I'm obsessed with. So it's a really juicy, bite-sized nugget you can get from me every week in written format. It's easy to share with your friends, your colleagues. There's ideas in there that you can use for yourself, your family. So if you want to get that newsletter, make sure you sign up, you can text the word BRAVE, BRAVE, B-R-A-V-E, to the number 474747 to automatically get signed up. And you'll also get some bonus freebies from me, some downloadable gifts from me for signing up. So I wanted to make sure you knew about my newsletter. It really is an important place to be because it is the first place I go to share all the Fear Boss announcements and resources and exciting things that we have going on. Also, I am so excited to announce that the Fear Boss community page on Facebook is officially here. So I am hanging out on the Instagram all the time. It's one of my favorite places to be, yet I know there's this whole group of beautiful and brave fear bosses that wanted a community on the Facebook. And I'm a member of a couple of groups myself. One group is uh, a speaking group for a select group of elite speakers. So it's been so resourceful for me. And I'm also dabbling in, I know Amanda on my team loves the Rise Business group. And anyone who's attended Rise Business gets an invite to this group. And it's just a really great place to hang out with other like-minded people and share resources and learn from each other. So we wanted to create something like that for you in the Fear Boss community. And we did that. So now we have a Facebook group. I'll link up to it in the show notes. It is called the hashtag Fear Boss Fam, fam meaning family. So you are my family. And I wanted to really, the intention is to really create a space for you all 
all to connect with each other, uh, to share your fear experiments, to meet each other, to share resources, to support each other, to get conversations started. Of course, I'll be jumping in, doing uh, Facebook Live Q&As in that group from time to time. You'll see me pull you with questions. I mean, we definitely want to hear from you. So you're going to be the first to know if I'm creating a new book and we're in between cover designs, you're going to get to vote on that. If I have questions or if I need your brain or your advice, we're going to be coming to you first. If we have any fun announcements, that group is going to know. I'm going to be creating things just for you. We're going to have book discussions. We're going to be doing deep dives on the podcast. So just look forward to all kinds of really brave discussions there. But really, the intention of the group is to create a space on Facebook where you, the Fear Boss community, can come together, share resources, connect, and most importantly, share the brave fear experiments you're out there conducting. We've got a couple of resources linked up in that page. So we've created some screensavers for you for your phone and your, your computer and just some beautiful PDF printouts that you can print that outline the Fear Boss core values. Our hero image on the Fear Boss fan page is our mission, the Fear Boss mission, which is that we believe freedom lives in smashing comfort zones. So those are going to be the conversations we're having on the group page. So it's an experiment. Amanda and I are running. We're just going to go see what happens. She'll be moderating the page. I'll be making guest appearances from time to time, and we will be certainly listening to your conversations and facilitating brave conversations as well. So we hope to see you there, all the links in the show notes. All right, so I'm back from vacation, and before I get into this week's episode, which is our holla back episode. Yes, actually, I'd like to say if you're a female listening to this, you are a holla back girl. I disagree with you, Gwen Stefani. Um, we are holla back girls, but most importantly, and if you're listening and you're a dude, yeah, you're a holla back guy. Why not? Let's just own it. Uh, but yeah, this is the holla back episode. This is the episode where you send me your questions and I give you answers. But before I jump into the questions that we're going to cover today, which are super juicy, I want to talk about my vacation. So I ran a fear experiment last week. I just got back from vacation and my fear experiment was to go social media free for the entire vacation and no email. So for four days, it actually equaled like three and a half. Well, it's got really close to four days. I was a few hours shy of four days because I did a little social on the front end to let everybody know I was going off of social. But let's just round up. I did four days of no social meds and I did not look at my email, y'all. I didn't even peek. So listen, we do this all the time where we give up alcohol for 30 days or we do no sugar or no carbs and we do these sort of detoxes all the time for our health. But we never really Think about the tech detox and disconnecting from the addiction that we have to technology. And I really wanted to try that out and to disconnect and really soak up a few days of vacation that I so desperately needed. 
So, I mean, do you even remember your life before social media and your cell phone, your iPhone, your mobile phone? I mean, even though it's sort of a new cultural addition, chances are you might not. And according to some studies that I was reading online as I was researching for this podcast, we spend more time on social media in our lifetime than we will eating and socializing combined. And while social media can totally build community, help with communication, streamline coordination, and create all kinds of good, juicy entertainment, it's good to remember that it takes us completely out of the physical world. And for those of us who value creative expression and connection, we've got to find balance between way too much and not enough in order to respond to the real world. So I wanted to share with you really quick before we jump into the Hollaback Q&A, what I learned from disconnecting from my social media. Number one, it slowed down time, no doubt about it. It made my vacation feel longer and it really allowed me to hold moments for myself instead of sharing them with the rest of the world. Number two, I started to realize how sad the world looks on mobile phones. Everybody around the pool and at the beach, not everybody, but most everybody had their nose in their phones instead of up in the skies. And it just was really sad. You'd see this at dinner. You'd see this at the pool. You'd see this while people were walking around the resort, bumping into walls, trying to find their way. It really became kind of eerie because I was so hyper aware. Now, listen, no judgment here. I am a human being who most days has my nose in my phone, but it really woke me up to how sad and lonely the world looks with our nose in our phones. Three, my focus went into turbo drive. Y'all, I'm pretty focused as it is, but boy, without the distraction of email and social media and having to create content for those platforms, I went into turbo drive. I read 3.5 books because I had half of one of my books already finished uh, by the time I was going to vacation. So I read two fiction books and I read two business books. Y'all, four books were done by the end of my vacation and I came up with three new ideas, even an idea for book number two. So this inspiration can really strike you because you're unplugging. I believe when we hit the pause button on human beings, we actually start, right? So this idea of if you want to turbo drive your creativity, if you're lacking inspiration, if you just need to re-inspire yourself, unplug for a day or two. You, you'll be surprised how much you get done and how much you inspire yourself when you stop looking around every five seconds. Number four, I had less FOMO, uh, which also reduced my anxiety and my confidence kind of grew over those couple of days. I think the most unexpected result of this social media purge that I took was uh, an improved sense of self-worth. I mean, anxiety is the real deal. I struggle with it. I know you do too. And this little voice in the back of my head that's always telling me I'm not good enough or that I'm behind or I need to be doing all of these things because everybody else is doing all of these things 
was noticeably quieter and sometimes absent. I was able to walk away from social situations without the constant nagging of like, you said the wrong thing, you did the wrong thing, you're behind, you should be doing this, and you know, you don't look good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not ready enough, you're not there enough. Without spending 40 plus hours a week comparing myself to others, I mean, look at how much you're on your social media and on your phone. And most of the time, you're looking around at what other people are doing, which makes you compare yourself to other people, which makes you doubt yourself, which increases anxiety. So without spending 40 plus hours a week comparing myself to other people, I was able to reduce my overall anxiety around personal failure and and feeling behind and that I wasn't where I should be. It was really soothing and it sort of reduced my need to feel perfect around people all the time. And I'm pretty good about that, but it definitely helped increase my confidence and reduced my anxiety. And then last but not least, I really missed you guys. I missed the community. As much as I loved this little social disconnect, I really missed you. I missed the community. Listen, I work solo most days. I mean, creating and writing is a solitary art. It's it's usually something I do in silence. I'm, I'm generally alone. I have Amanda and uh, a bunch of independent freelancers and contractors that I work with as a component of my business, and I'm collaborating all the time. But most days, I'm working alone. And it's especially aggravated because I work remotely. So there's no office FaceTime to fill that social void. And when you take those social media breaks away, you're really on your own. So I sort of missed the digital noise of you, the Fear Boss family, sort of catching me up in your day, talking to me about what you love about the book and the podcast and the work that I'm creating. So yeah, while I leaned in harder to the communication between my husband and myself and just reading and writing and all that good stuff, I really kind of missed those breaks to check in with the community and get that feedback and and beautiful love and support from you. So it made me grateful to have a job and a career that I love and a company I can't wait to get back to. So those are the things I learned. I learned that it slows down time, that the world looked pretty sad on cell phones. Look up from time to time and notice that. It is really powerful. Your focus will go into turbo drive. You will have less FOMO, less anxiety. Your confidence will increase and you will start to find out what you really miss about being on social media. And what I realized is I didn't miss all the comparison and the anxiety, but I did miss you. I missed the community we're building and I missed the conversations I have with you. So while I won't be stopping my social media anytime soon, my awareness to it has sort of changed and I'm going to be doing more detoxing. I'm playing around with this idea of maybe just going off social once a week to really connect with myself and give myself a break and then maybe doing a quarterly three-day detox like I did on my vacation. So I thought I'd put that out there talk to me on the social media, (laughs) no pun intended, or send me an email at hello at judyholler.com. Talk to me. What do you do? How do you set boundaries with your social media? And if you have done a detox, what have you learned? All right, let's get back into our Hollaback show. When you see these Hollaback episodes, they are essentially our Q&A shows. You holler at me with your cues, and I holler back at you with some A's. 
So this week we have some beautiful and brave questions from you. So let's dive in. Number one, it comes from Jessica and it came in via email. Her love yourself question is this. And our theme in February was love yourself. And she says, listen, I'm usually confident and proud of my accomplishments. I think we have been taught for so long not to be too proud or boastful. Where is the line between loving myself and being conceited? And how do I balance on the right side of the line without going over it? Such a good question, Jessica. I've got some thoughts here for you. So yes, it is all about balance. Nothing works unless we do, but that doesn't mean we railroad others in order to get our self-care. So my definition of confidence has always been this. I believe confidence is believing in yourself enough to know that no matter what happens, you're going to figure it out. And this sparks courage, which helps you do uncomfortable comfortable things. It is uncomfortable to put yourself out there because it's vulnerable and not everybody's going to like it or get it. But it's important because true confidence is contagious. When I see you be confident and love yourself, in a genuine, not braggadocious way, and empowers me to wanna go do it for myself. So what's the difference between conceit and confidence? Let's break it down. I believe conceited looks like this, always having to be better than others. It looks like competition versus collaboration. It looks like always having to be right. It looks like talking all the time versus listening when you need to listen. I'm always trying to think about my eyes and my use. Uh, conceit can be I, 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 I. When you're really thinking about creating content and serving your community and putting yourself out there, can you take the lessons you're trying to teach and the things you're trying to share about yourself and make it about the listener or the reader? I learned this when writing my book. You know, when I started writing, I was a novice writer. So everything was I this, I that, I that. And I was really coming from a place of love, but no one wants to hear about you. They want to hear about how your story can help them. So my editor really challenged me. She highlighted all the eyes in chapter one of my book, Fear is My Homeboy, Love Yourself. And challenged me to turn them into use. So how does the story I want to tell relate to the reader? So it's about finding ways to share your story, but making it about the person that's consuming your content. So just being awake to that idea has really helped me and it can help you too. So when I draft an email, when I create micro content online, when I create and write shows for you, I'm always thinking about how do I tell my story which is important, but make it about the person listening. Make it for the fear boss. So using more use than eyes really helps, but we wanna be around people that listen as much as they share. Conceited people also take all the credit and they're not really great about asking for help. They don't believe that they need help. So, you know, Conceit is very braggadocious and it it feels icky and it feels salesy and it feels aggressive, right? I think there's a beautiful way to promote yourself with courage and confidence and that looks like this. It looks like proudly promoting your business and what it is that you do by providing value and telling stories. It looks like helping others. It looks like promoting other people and their work as much as you promote promote yourself and your work. It looks like sharing resources and tools. It looks like sharing how you did something versus 
what you did, right? So it's great to share what you're doing, but can you break down some of those resources for people and share three ways you can do the same thing? And it really looks like service versus self-promotion. So I always like to think about the book, Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. I'll link to it in the show notes. This book is full of so many beautiful resources that'll really make you think differently about how you're promoting yourself online. And the whole idea behind Jab, 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 Right Hook is for every time he's jabbing, 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 which is his jab is, service, service, help, help, share, share, the right hook comes on the 10th time and that's when he makes an ask. So I always think about it like this. I'm jabbing, 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 and then putting a right hook. I'm jabbing, 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 and then putting a right hook. So this means I'm providing value, 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 share, 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 free resources, free resources, tools, ideas, resources. And then maybe on the 10th time I say, oh my gosh, have you signed up for my newsletter? Or hey, follow me on social media or hey guess what I'm a keynote speaker you should hire me or hey have you read my book so it's not me constantly going right hook right hook and punching people in the face all day long with all the things I have to give you and share with you I am providing value first and earning trust and then making the ask. So this book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, is full of beautiful resources. One of the things he says in the book is to make it simple, make it memorable, make it inviting to look at, and make it fun to read. People value service and trust. And when you can teach people and share stories, you will naturally promote yourself with love and grace and confidence versus looking conceited. The last thing I like to think about is this. Are you posting things and putting things out there for love? Like, are you seeking approval or are you posting things with love? And I think there's a difference between the two. So really ask yourself that question. Am I am I putting this out there on LinkedIn, on, on social media, in my newsletter, out into the world for love because I need some sort of approval or I need someone to stroke my ego? Or am I doing it with love because I genuinely believe in what I'm doing, what I have to say, what I have to sell, and I do believe it can help other people live a better life. So just think about that but don't get yourself too caught up in what other people are going to think because they're already going to judge you. They're already talking about you. People already don't like you, so you might as well give them something to talk about. So really lean towards putting yourself out there in ways that provide value and build trust and do it with love. Okay, question number two comes from Sherelle. She emailed us this question. She says, listen, there's a lot of books out there and motivational speakers trying to help people become their best selves. Everyone has their own way of doing it. Obviously, doing every single thing that everyone does is impossible and not helpful. How do you filter through all the information and decide what's best for you? And how do you incorporate new habits in your life so they stick? I love it. A two for one, two juicy questions in one question, and I can't wait to dig in here. So number one, let's talk about information overload and deciding what's best for you. Uh, I truly believe that there is a real thing called inspiration overdosing. It is a thing, and we have to beware of this because it's a way fear can hide to get you stuck. I believe learning and reading is the gate way to greatness, but all of that greatness is a waste if the student doesn't have the guts to make a change and take action. So some of my advice here, if you think about getting yourself in the sort of 
information overload or inspirational overdosing vibe, here's what you can do. Number one, take what works and leave the rest. It is so easy to latch on to all of the things, but it takes guts and courage to just narrow down uh, the one thing that really lands and resonates with you. I'm always thinking about this in my keynotes. A keynote is a keynote. So my keynote will have one main idea that always rises to the top, but underneath that are a lot of other ideas to get you thinking to support the big idea. So I'm always reminding my audiences to take what works and leave the rest. You've got to do you. And every one of us is in a different season in our lives and in a different place in our lives. So take what works and leave the rest. So as you're consuming a podcast, take what really works for you and leave the rest. You cannot and you don't need to do all of the things. Number two, and what will help you with inspirational overdosing is write down the ideas that resonate with you immediately and get them out of your head. I think that's what causes us anxiety and it's why I write first thing in the morning. It's why I keep notepads around me all the time because I think what causes anxiety is you have all these ideas and you're like, oh my God, you're, you're trying to catch them all and save them all. I think just writing them down and getting them into a notebook can give you a little peace of mind. And then it's there to do with what you want when you're ready to do something with it. So catch the idea, put it down on paper or in a notebook or in your notes section on your iPhone or in your iPad and just capture it so that you have it for later. Get it out of your head and onto paper. This will really reduce anxiety. I do this when I go to a conference. I'll get really inspired and take a notebook full of notes at the conference, and then what I always do on the plane ride home or after a podcast or after I've heard a speaker, I will dissimilate all the information. I will take what I wrote in the notebook while listening to the speaker or at the conference and rewrite the main big ideas down somewhere else so I can get it out of my head and onto paper reduce anxiety and start to put some things in motion. And I may take one or two big ideas and say, ooh, okay, I'm gonna go try that. I'm gonna go play with that and see if it works. And if it does, great, I've got something new in my life. And if it doesn't, no problem, on to the next thing. But getting things out of my head has really been helpful. Number three, I experiment, right? Like I just mentioned that there's no one way of doing anything. So experiment, experiment, experiment. Take what works, leave the rest, and just keep trying things on to see what works for you. So number four, set limits on how much you consume and when. Do an audit here. So I'll give you an example. When I was writing my book two summers ago, I was really worried about inspirational overdosing and I needed to create my book, but I was getting really jacked up because I was reading a little too much and listening to too much, which was sort of jading me and making me fill with self-doubt. So while writing my book two summers ago uh, in 2018, I wrote in like the spring and summer of 2018, I stopped listening to podcasts ah! and I stopped reading books and it was so hard. It was certainly a fair experiment, but it was the most beautiful thing I did because I really needed to go inside and create from a space of myself. I needed to, to go inside and trust myself. And I, I really found that consuming a lot of content while writing my book was hurting me more than helping me. So I took a break and I just started auditing what I was consuming. So that was temporary and I got right back into the swing of things once I turned in my manuscript. But I, I was really aware that too much inspiration can do the opposite of what we want. So can you set some boundaries? You know, maybe you decide that you're just going to listen to podcasts for 30 minutes every morning while you get ready. This is what I do. I hate getting ready. So I listen to podcasts while I get ready. 
and it's just a juicy bit of content um, and I'm still learning and evolving but I'm not listening to five podcasts a week so maybe you just take breaks with it like you know you can detox with social media maybe you detox with some of the things you're consuming from time to time to let a few of the ideas uh, sink in and coagulate a little bit and then last number five you know as you evolve what you read and what you listen to and what you consume will evolve too. You're gonna have uh, regular OG authors and, and podcasters you listen to that continue to keep you inspired. And then you're gonna have new thought leaders that enter your life. So things are gonna flow in and out of your life. Take what works and leave the rest. And, and that's the best piece of advice I can give you. You know, Set boundaries if you need them. Take breaks when you need them. Write down all of the ideas and inspiration so it's out of your head and not causing you anxiety and take what works and leave the rest. And then the second part of your question, habits. Okay, let's talk about this. Your question was, how do you incorporate new habits in your life so they stick? So there's a really beautiful book, not to put another book on your reading list, as we talk about setting boundaries with consuming too much content, but there's a really great book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It is so juicy. So um, you could certainly read that book. There's a lot of great ideas in that book, so I'd offer that to you, number one. But a couple pieces of advice on creating habits that stick. Number one, microdose. Go small. You'll hear me say this time and time again. Advance one small thing at a time, week by week, day by day, hour by hour. We do not need you to run the marathon. We just need you to sign up the, for the race. We don't need you to write the book right now and turn in the manuscript. We just need you to write the first sentence. So take those big dreams and goals and microdose them. Get them into really small time chunks. It helps me every Every single time, not get overwhelmed and in deep with anxiety. Number two, you got to remember how do we bring habits to the finish line? We do it, we start, we stop quitting on ourselves, and we start remembering that no one fucking wants to do it. You know, no one really wants to do it. You know, who really wants to eat the kale and take all the vitamins and work out an hour a day and all of these things, you know, that that really end up giving us a beautiful, comfortable life are really hard. Remember, easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. So we have to stop fucking quitting on ourselves and breaking promises to ourselves. And the only difference between you and the version of yourself you dream about or the other person that's out there doing the thing you want to do is commitment and not breaking promises to yourself. So I would put a big what could go right on the other side of any new habit you are trying to create for yourself. We spend way too much time focusing on all the stuff that could go wrong and we kind of self-sabotage. We wait for ourselves to mess it up, to fuck it up. Can you start empowering yourself to focus on what could go right instead of worrying about all the stuff that could go wrong? This will help you stay focused and help you check yourself before you wreck yourself. I keep a what could go right list and I put it everywhere. It's on my phone, it's in my computer, it's on my, it's on post-it notes, it's in my mirror, in my bedroom, it's everywhere. So if I've got something going on that I'm really trying to do for myself, I'm on a deadline, I'm quitting a bad habit, I'm trying to lose some weight, I'm, I'm, I've set a big goal for myself, it's going to get scary, it's going to feel uncomfortable. So instead of worrying about all the shit that could go wrong, I stay really focused on all the things that 
could go right, which is your dream list, which is your unicorn list if you really achieve making this habit a reality, this goal a reality, this dream a reality. So I would say own your morning, do you first. Because when you own your morning, you own your day. And when you own your days, you own your life. Microdose, take big goals and break them into small chunks. 10 pounds can feel really overwhelming, but one pound, I got that. A marathon, woo, that is a big goal. But whoa, I can sign up for the race tomorrow. Starting a business, that feels overwhelming. Where do we even begin? But calling a friend who's done it before to ask a few questions, I can do that. Writing a book, no freaking way, but a sentence, I can write a sentence. Reading all of the books, oh my God, there's so many books I wanna read, where do I start? But 10 pages a day? I can do 10 pages a day. Listening to all the podcasts, oh my God, where do I even start? Overwhelming. Ah, maybe I do an episode a week. So take things, break them into small chunks. Remember that no one wants to do it. You've got to stop breaking promises to yourself and own your morning. Tackle the hard thing first before you go take care of the rest of the world. Okay, last question, number three, comes from Jillian on the Instagram. She says, how do we teach someone not to take constructive criticism personally? Ooh, this is juicy. Well, number one, we have to remember that we cannot control other people, places, and or things. We cannot. So how someone else responds to you determines their destiny, not yours. But what you can control is how you facilitate the conversation. So here's some tips that may help you. Number one, start with what's working. There's this like old school feedback analogy. It's called the feedback sandwich. So you sort of put the like negative constructive criticism feedback in the middle of the positive sandwich. So you lead with something positive. An example may be, thank you so much for giving that presentation last week at the sales meeting. And next time, we should really think about using less slides because it went a little long. That said, I'm so proud of you for taking a risk and putting yourself out there. So the problem we want to address is the fact that this person goes on too long and they've got too many slides and they're full of all this data and we're losing people. But we're also really proud of them for putting themselves out there, doing the scary things, speaking in public and developing the presentation to begin with. So feedback sandwich, whatever it is you're trying to correct, and it'll make it feel a little less icky. I also use the yes and Jedi mind trick all the time, and you probably heard me do it in that example. So use yes and instead of yes but. So yes, the presentation was great, and next time, let's use less slides. Yes, you missed your revenue goals this quarter, and I want to understand how I can help you hit them next time. So instead of yes, the presentation was great, but you use way too many slides and it loses people. That feels defensive and negative. The and completely switches things and it makes you feel heard and empowered and like you're a part of a team. Yeah, the presentation was great and next time let's use next slides. And then you begin a conversation about what that needs to look like. Yes, you missed your revenue goals this quarter and I wanna understand how I can help you. So we're acknowledging the problem and we're adding a next step. We're empowering them versus criticizing them. 
Another thing I like to do when you think about giving feedback, this happens to me a lot when people come up, oh, you know, and, and say something after a talk or whatever it may be, or they'll say, oh, you know, have you, you know, you should really think about, or, you know, the presentation was great, but, you know, did you know you had a typo and slide, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So sometimes we need to know about these things and I get it, but can we start to ask for permission? Because sometimes your feedback isn't really wanted or needed. And I think we have to be careful who we take feedback from. There's gonna be a lot of people that have opinions and ideas and voices about things that we're doing. But if you're not in the arena, getting your ass kicked with me, this is a Brene Brown, I am not interested in your feedback. Someone who is not doing what I'm doing at the level that I'm playing at, I'm not really interested in your feedback. But if you are, also in the arena, doing brave things, getting your ass kicked and can relate to the work that I'm doing, yeah, I'm going to take a good listen to your feedback. So that's something to consider as well. So does this person even want or need your feedback? So I I would consider that, but I'd also ask for permission. Maybe you're their boss and you're in a position of authority and it's important that you're giving constructive criticism so that this person can grow. We need to be able to accept and take feedback in our life. This is also what separates the confident from the conceited. Conceited people don't think that they need feedback, right? They think they are the best and they know it all. Confident people understand that there is always room to improve and we are forever students. So maybe ask for permission and say, hey, I noticed something. You know, is it okay if I talk to you about it? And then sandwich it. Use that feedback sandwich. Start with the positive. uh, Bring in the constructive feedback and then end with a positive and just have a beautiful love-filled conversation. But I think it's really powerful to to have brave conversations in and outside of the workplace. And while they're uncomfortable, they're necessary. I also want to stress the importance of focusing on the situation, not the individual. So instead of saying, you're a really boring public speaker, say, I think your presentations could use more energy and visuals. And here's some ideas for you that could help you. This is really going to prevent the other person from feeling attacked. You know how it feels when someone's like, you did this and you this and you that. And you're like, oh God, Uh, it just feels icky and you feel attacked. So think really thoughtfully about focusing on the situation, not the individual. And last but not least, timing is everything. I get off a stage, I just did a keynote, and then you pull me aside and tell me about 10 typos in my presentation, which I don't have typos in my presentation anymore. Uh, That's not the best time to be telling me about that, right? So really think about your timing because it will really help the delivery land. Think smartly about when you approach the person and use that as a way to effectively give criticism in a way that doesn't make someone feel attacked. Because when we're not ready for feedback and we're already feeling stressed and anxious and overwhelmed or we just got done doing something scary and then someone gives us a bunch of criticism about what we just did, it's really disempowering and very demotivating. So timing is everything. Okay, Fear Boss, so there you have it. We tackled constructive criticism on how to not take it personally and some ways to deliver it like a real Fear Boss. We talked about a few ways to help you create habits that stick, and we also talked about inspirational overdosing and what to do if you feel a little anxious about all of the things that you're learning. And then we talked about the difference between confidence and being conceited. 
and what that balance looks like when you're promoting yourself online. And then, of course, we talked about doing a little social media detox and the benefits of that. So talk to me, Fear Boss. I hope you loved this episode as much as I loved recording it for you. So don't forget to throw your love my way in the reviews. And if you're feeling extra generous, Fear Boss, share this podcast with your friends. Also, make sure you talk to me. I want to hear your ideas for shows. I want to hear your questions. And I want you to share your inspiration with me. Drop me an email at hello at judyholler.com or DM me on any of the social media. I want to hear from you because this show is for you. As always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week right here on the Fear Boss Show. In the meantime, stay brave and keep experimenting with your fear. Well, hi there. It's me again. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so damn glad you're here. And if you loved this episode, which I hope you did, my hand is on my heart. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling a little extra boss today, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a review on iTunes so more fear bosses like you can find this podcast. And better yet, share this podcast with the fear boss you love and encourage them to listen. For more on me, my work, and my keynotes, you can visit me at judyholler.com, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R.com to learn more. And this is also where you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called The Fear Boss 5, and it comes out every Friday where I share five things I'm loving, learning, and reading. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if you love this podcast, you're going to love the newsletter, and you can sign up right there on my website. My book is available at most of your favorite book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, airports, all the things. So search me up on Google or type Judy Holler into Amazon and grab your copy. Last but not least, you can always come hang out with me on the social media. Instagram is my favorite place to be. I'm on Instagram at Judy Holler, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fears, my homeboy, and Twitter as well at Judy Holler. Until next time, Fear Boss, keep experimenting with your fear and stay brave.